Hello everyone, it's Friday the 3rd of September and welcome to episode 71 of the Kite Podcast with me, Ben Eagle. And me, Will Evans. There are about 4,400 islands in the British Isles, of which 210 are inhabited. And just off the coast of France, of course, are the Channel Islands, which is where we're heading this week to explore dairy on the island of Jersey. To do this, we are joined by someone who knows the island, its farmers and cows very well, Andrew Legale, who is chairman of the Jersey Milk Marketing Board. We're also joined by partner at Kite, Tanya Coleman, who also knows Jersey and its farmers well, having visited the island many times. And as always, we are joined by everybody's favourite dairy market analyst, Chris Walkland. Chris, over to you for the Milk Market Report. Where are you this week? Well, I'm bringing you my report from the Monterey Hotel, St. Helier, the capital of Jersey, where 27 years ago, or was it 26, or it might have been 28, I came with my newly appointed trophy wifelet for our honeymoon. (laughs) And it was a brilliant choice of destination, I must say, because it was quite simply home from home for her. That's because she's very much like the island's native breed of cow, the Jersey. She's not particularly big, has beautifully coloured red hair and can be a bossy little madam. (laughs) In fact, (laughs) she bullies me. At this point, you're all meant to say, oh, no, that's terrible and make lots of sympathetic noises. Shall we try that again? In fact, she bullies me. I'm sure you deserve it. Oh, no. I'm not sure where where our support lies, Chris. (laughs) Anyway, don't tell her I said that about her. After 25 years of being acting chief wifelet, she's just come off probation and I don't want her using that (laughs) comment in any unfair dismissal. (laughs) Rehoming wives is a tad expensive, I hear. Anyway, back to Jersey, and I have to say, Andrew, we had a very busy and enjoyable time doing what most people do on holiday, like finalising job descriptions and dowries and such. Unfortunately... It means I don't remember much about the island, so it's great we've got you on the show to remind (laughs) me and everybody else how wonderful it is and what I missed. And perhaps you'll tempt me back after my report, which is, again, a reasonably positive one. Uh, This week, across the nine EU powder uh, categories and three butter ones, there were eight positive price movements, two negative ones and two neutral ones. So another decent week. And both negative moves were from the French. Another French letdown, eh? Who would have thought it? Butter increased again on average to a few euros short of 4,050 euros now. So we're back to pre-dip mid to late June levels. And skin powder increased slightly again too. Together, they convert to a milk price of over 29 pence again. uh, So it's looking a lot better than it was in July. Prices are even stronger on the futures, though. EU butter futures have risen to over 4,100 euros for September and climbing to almost 4,200 by December. Those are really good prices. Uh, Skin prices are now all over 2,600 euros for October contracts through to 
quarter one next year. <laughs> In milk price terms, these convert to a price of around 30 pence again. New Zealand futures, well, they're okay too, and at a similar level. Meanwhile, the Walkland futures is looking decidedly ropey right now, as somebody obviously overheard my opening remarks and isn't happy. If any of you have a bed for the weekend or even for <laughs> life, I'm all ears. In the UK, butter has risen on the back of the rising European tide. That's at 3,250 to 3,3 uh, sterling. And perhaps the best news of the week is cream is in the very high 160s, even into the 170s zone now, say some traders, which will take some pressure off liquid milk prices. And it needs to be there for stability. Milk volumes for last week are the second lowest of the last five years, I think, which is keeping spot prices are very firm in the mid-30s, so that's strong. Cheese hasn't moved yet uh, and is still strong and stable. And these four processors I know, that's Saputo, Barbers, Belton and Glambia, who have announced price holds until at least the end of October. So again, another positive. So that's it from this week. Next week sees the GDT, with I think a lot of traders waiting to see what happens there before committing to further deals. And surely it has to follow the general trend and increase, eh? As for me, well, I've got some serious peacemaking to do with <laughs> Or to start the processes of recruitment for a new wife. You're good at people skills and employment, aren't you, Becky? I think I could do with your advice. I'm not taking Bye. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck with that, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like okay. a challenge, but that's silly. <laughs> she starts next week. Um, Andrew, <laughs> welcome to the show. Um, thank yeah, you so much for coming on. Um, we've uh, we, we've been looking forward to this for a little while. Um, everyone knows about the iconic nature of the Jersey cow, and of course, <laughs> Jersey potatoes. Um, but it'll be interesting to hear from you what it's like on the ground. Um, can you tell us first of all a bit about the history of dairy on Jersey um, and its origins? Well, we have a very rich history of, of the Jersey cow on the island because this is the home of the breed. And uh, that was really established just over 250 years ago when the uh, when our government uh, banned the import of bovine cattle into the island. Um, and the reason for that was that at that time was that the UK were keen to stop the importation of, of animals from France. And they introduced a law to stop that. And so the French being quite wily, um, th uh, decided to send cattle through Jersey uh, yeah. as a bit of a loophole to the law. Um, <laughs> and um, we followed the UK's protectionist policy. And so for that, that establishment of that law over 250 years ago basically established the, the formation and definition of the breed of the Jersey cow in our island home, of which we're extremely proud. And she's had an, a, a, an illustrious development ever since. Uh, our breed society that actually uh, uh, promotes the Jersey cow in island home was established in 1833, one of the oldest agricultural societies. In 1866, they established our herd book, uh, the oldest uh, Jersey herd book in the world. 
Um, and we've built on uh, tremendous export trade of cattle uh, in the early part of the 20th century. Uh, with uh, I, There was a bull, Sybil's Gambos, that was exported to America in 1919 for £10,000. Wow. I, I think that equates to millions now. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 the export trade really dominated the breed um, up to about the 1950s and uh, early 60s. Um, and we, 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 in breeding what we deem to be uh, called good-looking cows, uh, we lost sight of milk production. And by uh, the time when I started farming with my father in 1976, uh, there was there was a call for um, the importation of pure Jersey semen from outside the uh, uh, outside the island because we were a completely closed genetic herd. Yeah. Uh, lots of herds, uh, lots of very small herds, lots of bulls. Um, uh, lots of cow families, which were, was a, a strength, um, but very poor genetic gain. And it wasn't until 2008, um, after about the third attempt, one of the longest uh, debates we had in Ireland Parliament, uh, that, that finally uh, a law was approved to allow us to import pure Jersey semen into the island um and since that time we've had a a massive increase in uh, uh average yields per cow um and um it's be that 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 point uh that decision by government uh was fundamental to our viability as we see it today yeah incredible that change was so recent um, can yes. you tell us a bit about uh, your farmers? Because I think I'm saying that there are 15, 15 dairy farms. 14 um, dairy farms. 14, 14 dairy farms. Yeah, um, we, we, we have a statutory milk marketing board called the Jersey Milk Marketing Board, uh, which was established in 1954. Um, we At that time in 1954, there were 1,000 herds, uh, and there are now 14. And we produce a, uh, almost exactly the same amount of milk, a little bit more than um, those thousand producers all those years back. Um, we have, uh, but significantly increased yields per cow, as I've explained, with the genetic um, uh, with the genetic um, uh, improvement that that's been gained. Um, so uh, the range, very diverse range in size. Our smallest, smallest herds are between 15 and 20 cows, and our largest herd is 450 cows. Um, and one of our um, one of our challenges is that 85% of our milk supply comes from the largest six herds. Um, so it's really important to maintain viability at all levels. Yeah. So, Andrew, you have 14 dairy farms. Uh, what's the volume of milk that's actually produced from those farms? Uh, the, the, the total milk supply to the dairy from the cooperative members is 14 million litres a year. Or, or this year it'll be slightly under. Um, and that, that milk will go, uh, it will, two-thirds of it will be consumed within the island um, it, which includes a wide range of dairy products that we supply into the island, and a third of it will be exported. Um, and of that, uh, that third, 
um, just over 4 million litres. About half of it will go into products into the UK market, um, primarily soft mix ice cream and branded butter. Um, and the other half we export to the Far East, um, where uh, we supply to Hong Kong, South Korea, uh, Japan, uh, and and some other countries there as well. But those are primarily the, the, the three biggest ones. And ironically, the further you get away from the island around the world, uh, the more our customers appreciate our unique selling points and the, <laughs> the history of uh, and, and, and what's so special about our cow and it's I mean, it's obviously a very iconic breed um how important how important are they to to people on the island itself the the, the island the, the, the cow is our island icon and it's 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 a really interesting question uh ben because the um it's the home of the breed. We're very proud of that. There's a huge amount of heritage. There's some wonderful cups at our shows, um, our cattle shows. Um, and But we, we have to keep being, uh, keep her in the public eye in a, in a positive way. Um, and at the moment, um, we're very fortunate that we have very strong public support and confidence. Um, but as dairy farmers will know around the world, that you, you can lose that confidence quite easily with some pretty small things that can happen. So my job as chairman of the Milk Marketing Board is, is really to make sure, see what the next next hazard is in the in the future and try and bat that off um because uh it, it she is a very precious cow uh we have uh we we have a wonderful pretty countryside uh, very small fields in the island intersected by lanes and most of our cows will cross a road every every day to go out to graze and and that's always a very good um uh, a, a very good sign to see if if we get a friendly wave and lovely to see the cows is is always a good judgment of of whether we're whether we're on the right track in the public eye um but it's um the, the other issue is is that we are we're always looking to increase her unique selling point and the and the milk that's derived from her um and usps are are key and we have a uh, a very firm motto that branding starts on the farm where we're very lucky being in an island although it's got all these these huge challenges to it 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 does define us as a as a geographical area and and i think that's what milk supplies lost so much uh yeah. you, know, you know milk supply it, it, and and there is you know the different ways of of dairy farming in different parts of the country and different parts of the world which are quite peculiar to the geographical circumstances in which dairy farms farm and i i think the consumer is quite interested in things like that yeah morning tanya uh, welcome to the show what's your experience of dairy on jersey well, I, I thought um, the increase in yields was all due to my brilliant nutritional skills. It turns <laughs> happens to come in at the time. Um, I've been consulting for about eight years on the island. Um, so obviously by the time they used these semen and they'd had the pregnancy and <laughs> the heifers came through, it was a, a very great time for me to be involved. But you know, it, it truly is a privilege to be involved with the island. They're a very special bunch of farmers and um, I really, you know, it's very enjoyable. Um, I go out there about 
sort of four times a year and visit the majority of those. Four <laughs> Becky, Becky is so jealous. Between three and four days. Um, so we do, you know, each have, has a farm visit um, and we run a training meeting as well. So it's quite intense. Um, so when I come home, I sort of need a little rest. <laughs> Um, but it's been a very challenging and interesting period of time. Um, Andrew's alluded to the history, but even in, in the recent past, there have been some significant big farms exit the industry. And what's amazed me is how the farms that are still remain on the island have taken up the challenge of taking on more land, buildings, labour, ex- additional cows, you know, huge amounts of working capital required. And they've absorbed these into their own businesses to keep the supply going to the dairy and it's been very challenging but but it's but it's been a very interesting time that's for sure um dairy on jersey is is very similar to that in the uk um but you i i've sort of learned my lesson maybe it takes maybe a couple of years to sort of really understand um how jersey is so everything we buy into the island has a sort of a 70 pound surcharge on it because it's got to get across from the UK to Jersey and that really makes you think about what you should be buying um so with feed costs the way they are at the moment you can imagine then you put another 70 pounds on and the haulage rates are actually going up yes times are going up so it, it really makes you sort of critique and think about what you're going to do and um, in these training meetings that I run, um, we've covered all sorts of topics such as calf rearing and heifer management, dry cow management. And um, we did one earlier in the year on, on multi-cut. In fact, we've, we've done multi-cut a couple of times. And I really had to challenge myself to, I couldn't just take the experience in the UK and say everyone in Jersey should be making multi-cut silage because the rents are so much higher. The contract charges are so much higher. They do all these land swaps for Jersey Royal that still mystifies me. And <laughs> it, you have to sort of jerseyfy everything. You have to take the information and then you have to work with the farms and decide what is the best for them. Um, as it turns out, I still believe multicut is the right move for the farms. But we've been through a learning process altogether um, to sort of work this through because, in, you know, you are challenged by the farm saying, well, really, should I be paying for this? additional contract charge you know it's huge time you do not you don't understand you know it's it's a lot of money so um that's what I've learned is to try and take all the bits that you sort of learn in the UK and then you you work with them over there they're a very collaborative bunch very challenging bunch of farmers and you know very rightly proud of their breed and uh yeah it's great great to be involved you you summarize that very well because we we are a bit different being in an island and it's it's about scale the scale is so different um the average average size of our fields is one hectare um so we have a lot of on my farm we have 100 130 fields uh, fortunately a lot of those a lot of those are touching but but there yeah i know you put your hands uh, it, it you know that that in itself is 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 just one of the the uh, issues but the, the flip side of that is, is that it's a um, uh, with, with so many field margins, there's there's huge amount of of natural biodiversity, mm-hmm. a lot of management of that that we're promoting at the moment. We we are now uh, Jersey Dairy is the only leaf accredited dairy in the world. 
uh, we've all converted to to leaf, which is a huge, which is a big challenge, but but quite exciting as well. And and um, uh, so biodiversity and sustainability is is very much on a it's not on a to do list. It's it's on a very exciting list of of what can we do better and how can we we transpose what we're doing better into improving the brand of Jersey Dairy. That that's always the ultimate goal. Mm. We're I, think, I think you always try to be on the front foot, don't you? For instance, when I was over there, <laughs> we did a, a session on feed price increases and what we can do. And you know, forage is obviously the you know the ultimate answer. They've got a very long growing season. Um, and we talked about you know crimp maize, and they don't they do grow cereals. It's difficult to dry cereals because of the maritime environment. But again, more people are growing cereals. You know, they're they're open to new ideas, but. As Andrew was alluding to, this environmental thing is huge. And I shared the platform that day with a guy who's talking, um, Professor Ewan from the Royal Holloway, talking about um, methane. And they really want to be at the cutting edge and the forefront of everything. And, and that's that's great to be to be involved. Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because this is we really do need to be on the front foot on this. And uh, uh, that, that particular person went back there with a very large suitcase full of 25 air samples taken from my farm to to measure just where we are with methane um, uh, 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 with with our with our, our cows, which are we know they're very different cows. Um, unfortunately, when it comes to climate change, etc., there's very generic information, and in, in a small island like ours, we could be we, we can really be on the front foot on this one, and we intend to do a lot more work. How does it work with export off the island, Andrew? Um, what, what are the logistics of, of getting product off? Well, as, as Tanya's just inferred, um, it, 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 it's 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 more than 75, 70 pounds. It's seventy five pounds plus now a ton to to uh, bring product uh, into the island. And it's a similar amount to, um, on a pallet, a uh, standard pallet to get it off. But we're, we're, we are exporting um, uh, 33% of our milk supply in added value products out of the island. Um, we, uh, and a lot of that is going, uh, a lot of that is UHT products. Um, and uh, th- th- that's, the cost of that to the UK and to the Far East is rising quite a bit. And and labour and, and attracting people to come to the island for work? L- labour is expensive. Um, uh, cost of living is expensive. We, we live in an affluent island where the main uh, economic activity is financial services. Um, but we try as a dairy industry to, to interact with that and, and, uh, so when we started selling our products uh, to a uh, specific customer in Hong Kong, um, there were obviously a lot of financial services there and expats who lived there who who kick-started our campaign to sell our product there. So it's um, net- networking is a bit of a thing uh, that I'm a bit passionate about, and and but it's it's ultimately all about networking. And, There's a lot of uh, um, there's a lot of Portuguese via Madeira on the island. Yep. Okay. Um, there seems to be that seems to be where they've historically drawn from, and um, and I think uh, it is a challenge, isn't it, the labour and getting people out to Jersey, and the the new changes with the with Brexit are affecting you probably as much as as us. 
if not more. Well, we're, we're now in, in after because we're in the common travel area with the UK. Uh, we are now subject to the same regulations that exist in the UK. So this issue of um, uh, working for nine months of a year um, and then going back home again is is completely impractical and unviable for dairy farms and and this is a really serious issue because you you, you come to the island you've got to get in a boat or get in a plane uh you can't just sort of drive across the country and find someone and say come and come and work for me um we provide very good we've invested a lot in farm accommodation in the last 10 years so we provide we're well above the minimum wage um uh, so we've got good packages to offer um, but it's this definition of what is a skilled person mm. and um, uh, having that aligned to taking some A-level in English language or something is is completely and utterly impractical, not just for dairy farming, but for so much of the food, uh, the, the, the food industry in the UK. Mm. I know Chris is, Chris is on the edge of his seat at the moment with a list of questions. Do you want to, do you want to come in, Chris? I was under the impression that Jersey was rather immune from Brexit, but it doesn't seem as if it is. No, that's the big dilemma now. We, we, were, we were outside of the EU. Uh, we were never part of the EU. We, were, we sat outside oh, yeah. of the EU. Um, and, and now Brexit's occurred. We, we've, been, we are, we've been rather dragged and kicking into, into we've lost quite a bit of autonomy in our government and, and, and a lot more of our laws and regulations have to be approved through DEFRA or mm-hmm. other, um, uh, other um, sectors of Her Majesty's government. Although, we, we, again, we work hard on the networking. We, had, um, we were fortunate to have Greg Hans, who was over the Minister for Trade, uh, was over in the island for two days, and he spent two two hours at the dairy with us on um, uh, on Monday. Uh, no, sorry, not Monday. Monday was bank holiday. Bigger pardon. Wednesday he came to the dairy. Um, so that, that was a really good opportunity to to have a, a, a serious chat with people like that. Okay, um, so a question to both of you to finish. Um, and hopefully it'll be an optimistic one uh, for the end of the show. What's the future for dairy on Jersey? Tanya, perhaps you could take this one first. Oh, I, I think it's extremely bright. I mean, there are challenges. Um, Andrew's alluded to, you know, sort of staffing issues. That that will be a probably one of the biggest yeah. issues over the next couple of years. But the breed is going from strength to strength and the, the heifers that are on the ground and coming through and the yields that we're seeing, um, it's, it's going to be a really exciting few years. Yeah. And Andrew? Yeah, well, I'm glad you used that phrase, that, that actually. It is exciting. Um, uh, and it's exciting because what, what we make of it and, and uh, the, the it, it's about adding value to the the milk that comes from this incredibly special cow in our island. And, and I find that desperately exciting. And we're very lucky that we've got another generation of farmers coming through who think the same way. Mm, fantastic okay well that's all we have time for i'm sure we could have talked about this all day and we might have to have a part b sometime but a very big thank you to our guests today andrew legale tanya coleman and chris walkland thank you very much really fascinating today uh thank you very much for listening we'll be back next friday but for now it's goodbye from all of us here